the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The journey to a COVID-19 vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, uh, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about, um, um, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about science and probably miracles a little bit with uh, my guest this hour. Uh, He is a nationally renowned infectious disease specialist, also a uh, pediatrician, parenting expert, speaker, and educator. He's written several books. His newest book is uh, called No Regrets Living, in which he uh, describes seven keys to a life of wonder and contentment. We're going to talk with uh, Dr. Harley Rothbart about uh, about his book and uh, about uh, all kinds of things, I would imagine. Uh, He joins me now by phone. Harley, welcome to the show, and thanks for uh, being here. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, let me ask first, um, you talk about seven keys to a life of wonder and contentment. Um, do you have to do all seven? <laughs> <laughs> wow, do you have to do all of everything anytime? Of, cor- of course, everything is in moderation. <laughs> That's what physicians, physicians are used to telling their patients, everything in moderation. But I do believe that um, that parts of all of those keys, and they are in, in no particular order, believe, discover, heal, appreciate, accept, seek, and grow. Those simple seven keys, I do believe, uh, lead to a life of greater contentment. And, um, of course, that requires elaboration, and, um, of course, that's why um, we're speaking together today, but um, I, I do think that that we should consider 
um, all of those keys, and um, there's not so many that uh, we can't accommodate them all. You know, I was reading something uh, that um, a publicist sent me about about you and your book, and it says that uh, Dr. Rothbard is a man of science who also believes in and collects miracles. Um, there has always been kind of a, I, I don't know what how you would describe it, um, but a certain amount of conflict between science and religion. Do you believe in God? I do. I, I do believe in God, and I, and I, I don't have a, an image any clearer than anyone else does of what God is, who God is, um, but I, but I believe most importantly in something greater than ourselves. And I choose to use the word God for that. Other people might use the word nature, um, but um, supreme I, I being, supreme um, being, higher course. power. That's right. Um, a greater force. But but I but I think it's the most important aspect of my approach to God is that we will never understand everything about our lives, about our planet, about our universe, about viruses like the COVID virus that I've that I've spent 40 years uh, trying to understand. We're never going to understand everything, and and it. By default, if nothing else, there has to be something more than us. And, and it is impossible in my mind to think that someday, if we study hard enough, and if we, if we read enough, and if we develop fast enough computers, that everything is going to make sense to us. There are, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out Zoom, Harley. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Someone said that if you if you believe man is omnipotent, you should watch me try and unmute my Zoom call. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that's exactly right, Tom. The the um, the power of the unknown and the never will be known, I believe, is is the basis for a belief in in what I call God. So I, yes, I believe in God. Um, but um, I, I believe most importantly in something greater than me, um, and I and I think we'll never we'll never fully understand everything. And I'm I'm relieved about that because if we could someday fully understand everything, we might feel we might feel like God. And I don't think that is in our future. Yeah, I would hate to discover that my ex-wives were all right. <laughs> um, but but let me let me ask you about this this notion of collecting miracles and and I want to start at it a little different way since you brought up the uh, coronavirus um, and and you spent a lot of time studying this thing um, or not this particular uh, nouveau uh, COVID nineteen pandemic but but variations. Do you think that, as some people are saying, that the development of vaccines for COVID-19 um, is as miraculous as some people are saying um, with descriptions like, you know, Operation Warp Speed and all that? I think that the development of vaccines for COVID-19 is one of the most astounding scientific developments in history. But I don't 
And I believe that for many people, it will be, in quotes, miraculous for the disease that it prevents, the health that it promotes, and the society that it advances. But the vaccine itself, I don't consider to be a miracle. What I consider to be a miracle is the ingenuity and the creativity with which we were imbued to be able to create a vaccine like that. Where did that come from? Where did that ingenuity, that creativity, the wherewithal to create a vaccine like that, where did that come from? That, in my mind, is miraculous. Um, but in some yeah. way, weren't the people who developed it, um, whether it's Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson or you know Moderna, whoever, um, and there are probably others that are coming up right behind those, um, aren't they building on the work that people have been doing since SARS and even before? Of course, and that is exactly the point, Tom, that we have gradually as a society, and, and perhaps no greater teacher um, have we ever had in, in medicine than AIDS, we have gradually built upon the knowledge of one epidemic, one infection, one pandemic after another to get where we are today. And that's why I value this as a historic scientific achievement but the miracle is our ability to process the science, the scientific method within us. So let, let, me, let me give you an, an example of that. Um, more than 100 years ago, uh, Alexander Fleming, uh, a microbiologist, was doing research on staph bacteria, staphylococcus bacteria in England. And he left for vacation and left the window open in his laboratory. He came back from vacation and he found that the, the petri dishes, the, the plates, the, the plates that he had been growing the bacteria on, had a unique feature. About half of them um, had the staph bacteria growing on them, but the other half had a mold growing on them, and the staph was not there. He had put it there. He had put the bacteria on those plates, left them there, the window was open, he left, he came back, and half of the plates no longer had the staph bacteria, but instead had a mold. And he looked at that mold and he said, there's something in that mold that's killing my bacteria. And that mold, which was called the penicillium mold, became the source for one of the other greatest scientific accomplishments in the history of medicine, and that is the development of antibiotics. And when he was asked, how did you come to conclude that that fungus, that mold, was secreting something that could become a cure for infections around the world. He said, I didn't come to that conclusion. Nature did. I just observed it. And the ability to observe, to use a pre your prepared mind, as Louis Pasteur called it, to draw conclusions from observations as we did, for example, with AIDS and with the previous SARS infection, as you mentioned. And from those conclusions, develop incredible vaccines against the COVID virus is a testament to our ingenuity. And that's the miracle. The miracle is that our brains have the capacity 
to heal in that way, to discover in that way, and where did that come from? And that, I believe, is, is our miracle. And, and as, as someone who collects miracles, um, I, I, those are a couple of examples. Are, are there others that, that come to mind that you could share and, and what you consider a miracle? Sure. Well, the, uh, there are two categories. <laughs> One of them is the miracles around us, and the other is medical miracles. And it's the medical miracles that um, that I uh, say I collect because I'm a physician. But my definition of a miracle is that a miracle is anything that we observe around us that we cannot understand, explain, or recreate. So. Um, a hummingbird flaps its wings thousands of times every second and remains aloft with, by flapping its wings multiple thousands of times every second. I, that's miraculous. A bat, who we call blind, we say a blind is a bat, has the sonar ability to hear echoes from insects, mosquitoes, even though the bat can't see the mosquitoes, to be able to consume thousands of mosquitoes a night as its nutrition, the bat's nutrition. I consider that miraculous. Monarch butterflies migrate 5,000 miles every year, round trip, and then their great-grandchildren migrate the same path, land on the same trees in that path, and then return to the same trees that they came from, as their great-grandparent butterflies do. I consider that miraculous. I consider miraculous the fact that a sperm can find an egg and, for, and form a human being. How is that possible? I consider that to be a miracle. Now, medical miracles are another category entirely. And as a physician, um, I've been witness to them, and I have collected them. So when I was a, a trainee, um, a much younger man, um, I, I was privileged to witness a miracle uh, in one of my patients. And um, as a result of that, I, it, it changed the way I saw my practice. It changed the way I saw miracles. And so a few years ago, I began asking the most esteemed physicians around the country, um, colleagues of mine, people that I didn't know, I asked them if they had had miracles like the one that I had seen in my young training days. And what resulted from that was a book called Miracles We Have Seen, uh, a collection of 75 essays written by physicians who witnessed the miracles. These are the deans of medical schools, chairs of medical departments. Um, these are not um, uh, uh, quacks. These are, these are the best and the brightest. And they wrote these beautiful essays, and many of them are reprinted in the No Regrets Living book that we're talking about today. And it's those miracles that I collect. Um, Harley, how do we explain I, that? Harley, I yeah. hate to interrupt, but I have to go to a break here. Um, can you stick around so we can talk some more? Of course, happy to. That would be great. My guest is Dr. Harley Rothbart. He is the author of uh, a new book called No Regrets Living. And we're going to talk some more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll have more right after this.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers, and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with uh, Dr. Harley Rothbart, who is the author of a new book. It's called, I have it right here, No Regrets Living, Seven Keys to a Life of Wonder and Contentment. Harley, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. In fact, I love the part about discovering Flint, Michigan, because discovering is is a big part of No Regrets Living. So it was fun, it was fun to hear it applied in that way. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, miracles and and what they are, and the ones that you collect, which you sub- describe as as medical miracles, but uh, but also the miracles around us. And something occurred to me as you were giving the examples of of the uh, the hummingbird, the bat, the the butterfly, and and some of the things they do that that we think of as miraculous. But yet, if you were able to talk to them they would say, no big deal, it's what we do. <laughs> That's right. Right. The, the um, mysteries of nature and the parts of nature that we will never understand, um, there, there is probably a greater understanding uh, within nature uh, among, and among nature. And uh, there are studies that are well known that show that dolphins communicate with each other. turns out whales communicate with each other too but so do ants and gnats and um, the fact that something as seemingly trivial and and insignificant as an ant has the ability to communicate with other ants is in my mind miraculous and you're right if we could ask if we could speak ant or whale or dolphin um, I'm sure they'd have a lot to tell us or they would say, I, I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> right. That's right. Although, you know, I, I'm afraid, Tom, that we say that about ourselves, too. I think that, that sometimes we underestimate the accomplishments and the capabilities that we have. And we say, yeah, well, you know, it's my job. And the reality is that being able to perform your job being able to wake up in the morning, Tom, and, and go to your board and, and turn on the program and host guests, all of that is programmed by a computer greater than any computer mankind, humankind, has ever designed. Your brain that allows you to, well, yeah, it's my job, your brain that allows you to do that is miraculous and underestimated by you, by others. I certainly underestimate myself. I mean, in the morning, you wake up and you tie your shoes. How do you have the ability, what brain power tells your hands to be able to do the simplest of tasks like that? It's miraculous. I, I, I'm always of the mind that it's somewhat of a miracle that they stay tied. Um, <laughs> yeah, double knot. Double knot. <laughs> yeah, that, that does help. Um <laughs> But you talk about finding miracles and facing adversity, and I, and I want to parse that a little bit. Um, what prevents people who are facing adversity from wanting to rely on miracles too much? They just sort of wait for a miracle to, to bail them out. It's, a, it's an incredibly important question, and, and, and I've been asked that ever since 
the Miracles We Have Seen book and now with the No Regrets Living book. Um, and, and the answer to that is that we can't wait for miracles. We can hope for them. Um, for some people, we can pray. They can pray for them. But we can't rely upon them because the definition of a miracle is something that we don't understand. And, and the fact that we don't understand it means that we can't predict it. So we certainly can hope for it. But when there is a cure or a vaccine or a prevention that is available, we can't rely upon a miracle. We have to take that cure, that vaccine, that prevention. Example, seatbelts. So we could drive in our cars and hope for a miracle that no one will hit us. But instead of doing that, we put on our seatbelts because that's a way of preventing accidents, harm, and death. And so when there's something available, we shouldn't go back uh, years ago. There was a, uh, a fad among cancer patients, sadly, to go to Mexico to take Laetril, a miracle drug, which was an apricot pit, if I remember correctly. And people gave up chemotherapy. They gave up radiation therapy, which were potentially curative of their cancers. And they flocked to Mexico uh, to take Laetril, which didn't do anything, and patients died. Um, there are patients, there are religions in our country, in the world, that say we're going to um, deny medical treatment. We're going to avoid medical treatment. We're going to instead believe in faith to heal us. Sometimes they're healed. Most times they're not. And was it a miracle that they were healed because they believed that they would be healed? And what about those people who weren't healed? Take the medicine. Take the vaccine. Take this, the cure. Wear your seatbelt. Don't wait for the miracle. Hope for it. Pray for it. Don't wait for it. Have cancer patients been uh, flocking to Colorado for medical marijuana? Well, medical marijuana, <laughs> it, it, it's not even, not even medical anymore. That's now true. It's rec now it's recreational in Colorado. Yeah, and, same, uh, same here in Michigan as well. Yeah. I think that marijuana has um, uh, proven to have benefits beyond those that were obvious to college kids uh, for many years. And uh, it's another one of those examples of prepared minds. Um, scientists were able to parse out the components of marijuana that had different functions and administer them in different ways uh, to be medically beneficial besides being recreationally enjoyable. And so it, that, again, I believe, attests to the miracle of our prepared minds, of our ability, our ingenuity, and our creativity uh, to make things um, better. Is adversity what it is because of the way we, we view it or, or because things happen that we haven't prepared our minds for? Boy, that is such a good question. Um, you know, we have, over the course of the last hundred years, we have learned how to predict hurricanes. We've learned how to predict tsunamis. We've learned how to monitor, not yet predict, monitor earthquakes. And we've used all of those um, adversities 
and our prepared minds to address them, to build safer buildings that are resistant to, to hurricanes, to build safer buildings that are resistant to earthquakes. We have designed safer cars to um, deal with the adversity of man-made accidents. And so our prepared minds are, in fact, dealing with adversity every day. And we are advancing our society every day in our ability to deal with adversity. There is still adversity to be dealt with. And that adversity is, I believe, like the adversities that I just mentioned, um, something we can deal with and something we can cure, something we can heal. And, and I think that extends, Tom, even to the greatest adversity that I think we face uh, as a society, and that is evil. Um, I, evil is um, uh, something that has, I mean, evil goes back to the killing of one brother by another at the, in, at the beginning of the Bible, um, and, and evil has persisted ever since. My father, um, my late father, was a Holocaust survivor. Um, he was in Auschwitz um, where he lost his entire family. And I grew up not knowing any grandparents uh, or aunts and uncles on my dad's side, uh, but my dad survived. How do we deal with the adversity of that level of evil? How do we deal with the adversity of ISIS, that level of evil? And in my heart of hearts, I think that evil is like a pandemic, like an epidemic, like a car accident, like a hurricane. And I believe that we can deal with evil. It's an adversity of the greatest magnitude. But I think there are ways for our prepared minds to deal with that, even that level of adversity. You know, it's interesting, as you were talking about, especially with the, uh, with the Holocaust, I have wondered many times if Armageddon, um, is is something that's that's global and catastrophic, or if it exists in in little episodes throughout history. If, if you were to take someone in Auschwitz in the middle of all of that, wouldn't that seem like Armageddon to them? Absolutely, absolutely. And, the person in the car wreck. Of course. I mean, when you're surrounded by what seems like catastrophe, um, and and so I wonder if 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 maybe we're not really analyzing it the best way. Well, I I think I think that's a, a beautiful way of looking at it. A sad but beautiful way of looking at it, and that is that we are yes experiencing. Um, microbursts or uh, small events of Armageddon all along. But I also think that we are dealing with those in a way that we potentially could never deal with a full-blown Armageddon. That is, if Armageddon is, is um, occurring in bits and pieces, it's giving us an opportunity to deal with it in bits and pieces rather than suffering from it as a whole. Um, it, it's similar to what I write about in the No Regrets Living book about the Messiah. Uh, the, the word Messiah, the concept of Messiah, means many different things to many different people. But my concept of the Messiah is 
that it is the igniting of small, subtle sparks of goodness within each of us that finally comes together to create a, wor- a messianic experience, a better world, a healing of the world. And so we can pit my concept of Messiah against your concept, which I love, of Armageddon, and say that each time one of those bursts of Armageddon occurs, one of those episodes of Armageddon occurs, a car accident, the, the Holocaust, uh, a hurricane, <clears throat> pardon me, that the miracle within each of us rises up, sometimes individually, sometimes as a society, to deal with those bursts of Armageddon. And so we have sort of a conflict between good and evil, which is which is obviously a, a perennial conflict, but that we can win that battle. Look, for example, Tom, at, at the progress of society over not weeks or election cycles or even centuries, but at, over eons. My family is addicted to the Game of Thrones uh, <laughs> TV series. I can't watch it. It's just too, it's just too awful for me. But my family loves it. And, but the I, I know others Thrones, with that same affliction, yeah, Harley. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> I don't understand it. But, but we learned something from it, and that is the people who said that in medieval times, the Game of Thrones is not that exaggerated, that the level of evil that is portrayed in the Game of Thrones TV series and, and, in, and in the books is pretty representative of our understanding of medieval history where the level of evil was, was unimaginable. Well, now, flash forward to 2021. Aren't we better? Haven't we made progress? Hasn't that spark within us, that messianic spark that I think of as the Messiah, overcome many of the Armageddon episodes over eons, the microbursts that you've described? Haven't we improved as a society? I think we have. I yeah, think I think so. Moving in the right direction. You made me think of a, a an interview, or it was really kind of a roundtable uh, discussion on one of the Sunday morning chat shows many years ago. Well, it was in the wake of uh, the release of Oliver Stone's JFK, uh-huh. and where he talks about conspiracy theories. And right. Sam Donaldson right. said something I've never forgotten. He said, you know, the problem I have with Oliver Stone's movie is that it presupposes two things that I can't reconcile. One is that the government is inherently evil, and the other is that they're incredibly competent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you would appreciate that as as I did when I heard it. Like I said, I've never, I've I've never forgotten it, and and it it really gets to this thing of when you talk about good and evil, neither is absolute. That's right, and in fact, um, the the uh, good within us is tempered by a, you know sort of an evil side and the. And the evil streak within us is hopefully tempered by a good side. And that's true for society as a whole. Yeah, I have so two shoulders. <laughs> one, one with the little angel and one with the other guy. <laughs> exactly right. No, so that, uh, that battle, of course, exists within us. It exists within society. But the trend line, I think, is, is positive. And I think that we are 
Um, we are headed in the right direction. It's glacially slow, uh, painfully glacially slow, but I think we are headed in the right direction. I remember as a um, uh, as a learning driver uh, when I had when I was just getting my license, that driving, uh, driving was so different than it is now. Um, now we have, um, back in those days, you would see people throwing their McDonald's cups and wrappers out the window, and, uh, and lots of people weren't wearing seatbelts, and cars were ill-equipped to deal with, with accidents. And now litter is pretty rare. We kind of gasp when we see someone throw a McDonald's cup out the window. It, it helps that there are stiff fines for littering. But, but well, and at- you know, I think that 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 uh, Native American standing by the side of the road with a tear on his cheek had a lot to do with it too. <laughs> That's absolutely right. It got to uh, me. <laughs> good, good memory. Good, good memory. Yeah, and that uh, Smokey the Bear was effective for preventing fire, forest fires until we realized that we probably shouldn't be preventing all forest fires too. But, but yeah, mnemonics help, and uh, I, I think society is is moving forward. Um, I don't believe we're ever going to um, uh, understand everything, and I don't believe we're ever going to fully explain. Uh, all that goes around us. There, there was a, an estimate by astronomers that um, our, our sun is a star, of course, that there are 70 billion trillion stars in the universe. And that's to say nothing of planets. <laughs> that we know of. Th- that we know of. <laughs> that, no, that we know. That's their, that's their prediction. That's right. Well, how did, how did that happen? Did that just, that just happen? Well, you know... It, for a while, people thought that there was never a beginning. It, it, it's just always been there. The universe has always been there. And then um, it, about uh, 30 years ago, scientists were listening with very sensitive audio telescopes to the universe, and they heard an echo. And they had never heard it before. And then knowing where to listen, they could hear it all the time. And now you can hear it. If you go to an astronomy website, you can dial on and you can say, I want to hear the Big Bang. And in fact, that echo occurred 13.8 billion years ago with a singular, if we believe the science, and until it's proven otherwise, I believe science, if we believe the science, the Big Bang occurred 13.8 billion years ago. We can still hear it, the echo of it, on our computer if we are interested in astronomy and there was a beginning there was a beginning it wasn't always there 13.9 billion years ago presumably there was nothing well how did something occur from nothing and how did everything occur at once 13.8 billion years ago that's what science says happened i believe in science i'm a scientist and until somebody shows me that that didn't happen, I'm going to believe that that happened. How did that happen? Where is the miracle that can explain that occurrence? And that's why I believe in God. I believe in science, and I believe in God. And I cannot imagine that anyone could argue that science, I mean, I can't imagine because I've heard the arguments, but that, <laughs> science, yeah. doesn't, that science doesn't prove God. I think science proves God, um, and I am yeah. But then there's but then that. there's always somebody who's you know um, uh, cynical or or at least skeptical who says, "But where did God come from?" Right. 
And and you know, is there a you know BG? Yeah. Um, so let me let me tell you a quick parable. Um, it will, yeah. will just take a, a moment, and it is a uh, parable that I've told my kids when those questions came up as they were growing up, and and uh, still ask <laughs> as adults. And that is, where is God? Where did God come from? And and how did the Big Bang occur? And what was before God? What was before the Big Bang? So there is a planet that is two-dimensional. It's completely flat. It's thinner than a piece of paper. There is, paper has thickness. This planet has no thickness. It's only length and width. There's nothing above, nothing below, no thickness. It's purely two-dimensional. And all of the beings on this two-dimensional planet are geometric, flat, totally flat shapes. They're squares, they're triangles. Squares and triangles mingle, and they get mixed shapes. But these beings know nothing about above and nothing about below. Suddenly, one day, in the middle of the town center, a dot appears. Now, they know about dots. Dots are how um, uh, all of the geometric shapes start out. But this dot slowly grows and grows and grows into a gigantic circle. And it's a circle so big that it threatens to destroy the entire two-dimensional town. And then, just as suddenly as this giant circle appeared, it gradually shrinks, 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 and disappears as a dot, and then it's gone completely. And it turns the entire two-dimensional planet upside down, if that's, a, that's probably a bad metaphor, but it turns, it, turns, it turns the entire planet into a tizzy. Scientists are stumped. They come up with theories. The military is mobilized. What if this was an invasion? We've never seen anything like this. A dot that grows to a giant circle and then shrinks and disappears as a dot again. What could possibly explain that? Is it God? Is it a sign from heaven? Is it, is it a miracle? And the title of my little parable in the No Regrets Living book is called The Miraculous Event. And what happened is something that two-dimensional beings could never understand, and that is a sphere touched down on their planet and passed through. And when it first touched down, it was a dot. And as it passed through their two-dimensional planet, it grew to a giant circle, uh-huh. and then it shrunk again. And when it shrunk, it disappeared again. And this two-dimensional planet could not understand a three-dimensional object, which we know how to dribble at a basketball court. A sphere for us is something we can hold, we can touch, we can explain. But for two-dimensional beings, it was it was impossible to understand. Well, we are living in a three-dimensional world with things that are impossible for us to understand. Maybe it's a fourth dimension. Maybe it's a twelfth dimension, as string theorists, physicists uh, hypothesize. But we're living in a world where we're experiencing dots every day (laughs) that we can't understand. And we use terms like God and miracle and Big Bang and relativity and quantum physics. We, we, we invent terms to explain phenomena that we cannot comprehend because we don't have the capacity to comprehend all of that. So what happened before God, you asked? Where did God come from? I don't know. Where did that dot come from? If you're a two-dimensional being, you have no idea. We don't know. We're never going to know. Because this is fascinating, Harley. I, I have to go to another break. Can you stick around so we can wrap up? Sure, happy to. That's great. My guest is uh, Dr. Harley Rotbart, the author of um, No Regrets Living. <laughs> 
is the name of the book. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. But we will return and talk some more about No Regrets Living right after this. (laughs) This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. 
Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with Dr. Harley Rothbart, author of No Regrets Living. Harley, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Thank you, Tom. Um, the the book, like all books now, has a subtitle, <laughs> No Regrets Living, Seven Keys to a Life of Wonder and Contentment. And I thought maybe, Harley, we could just wrap up by talking about this idea of wonder and contentment. In order to be content, do you, um, how important is it for you be, to be able to recognize, accept, appreciate, be open to wonder? Well, I think that um, if we aren't open to wonder, if we aren't open to, and, and wonder has two, word, has two meanings. I, I think we should always wonder about the world around us, but I think we should also take wonder in the world around us. And um, when we do that, I think we're less likely to feel regret, to feel disappointment, uh, to feel despair and depression. And um, I uh, when, when I see a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise, uh, I, um, I appreciate it, and I give thanks silently uh, for that sunrise. And, uh, and I have the same experience when I, when I see my grandchildren, and I have the same experience when I uh, marvel at the accomplishments of uh, of our society, of our cities, of our vaccine development, all of those bring wonder to me. How do we get from wonder to contentment? Because I accept the fact that I'm never going to understand all of what I'm viewing, and I am content to merely observe, um, appreciate, and give thanks for um, the world around me. Albert Einstein said that um, there are there are two kinds of people in the world. There are the people who don't believe in the miracles and the people who see miracles all around them. I'm one of the latter. I, I, I believe, I see, I appreciate, I give thanks for, um, and I experience wonder at the world. You know, and that's, that's interesting because you're, um, in, in some ways your book uh, promises to sort of blend science and religion and um, and you certainly do that in the first section of the book when you're talking about, uh, in, the, in the section about belief, where you talk about science and God and the miraculous event and, and God as a scientist. Um, but, but so many people think that you're either pro-science or you're pro-God. Um, how is the blending of the two? Well, I am... 
I am, I am certainly pro-science. I've spent 40-plus years as a scientist, and I am uh, certainly pro-God, and that has evolved over time. I think I always believed in something, but I, I, I believe uh, with a deeper, more mature understanding now than I, than I used to. And here's the way they blend. Um, I, uh, like all medical students, had anatomy lab as a student. Anatomy lab is for many uh, medical students like a hurt locker. It is a, it is a difficult experience. Um, uh, we did dissections on cadavers, and um, it, 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 was, it, was not, it didn't smell nice and it didn't look nice. But seeing the inside of a human body, seeing what makes us up, and then advancing that observation to the operating room uh, during surgeries, um, that I was able to witness. Um, I, I'm a scientist, and I look inside the body, and I can only explain it. I can only explain it as a creation beyond my understanding. And therein, for me, lies the blending of science and God. I look at a microscope, and in a microscope, I see living cells from a human being. Living cells. I can't make one. I can't design one. I can barely understand them. And yet those cells will grow to become a kidney. Those cells will grow to become a heart or a, an entire human being. That's science. But that's science that will never be fully explained or understood, and that's God. So for me, the blending of science and God is easy. What I see as a scientist defines the presence of God. Well, that's a that's a good note to end on. Although I will uh, I will inject one word on behalf of listeners uh, during the uh, cadaver dissection. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but but we do have to end it there, um, Harley. It's been a real privilege and an honor to uh, spend this hour with you. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. I feel like we could talk about this for at least another hour or two. Um, the book is called No Regrets Living, Seven Keys to a Life of Wonder and Contentment by Dr. Harley Rotebart. And um, Harley, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about your work, past, present, and future. Well, thank you, Tom. And it's, a, it's been a pleasure to speak with you, too. Your, your, your questions are so on point. Um, my website is harleyrotebart.com. The book is... Uh, described there. Uh, it's available for general sale um, on March 16th, but for pre-sale available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else that you would go to buy your books. And um, I welcome people people's feedback. Uh, I have an interactive blog at that website, harleywrotebart.com, and um, I welcome people's questions and um, and personal philosophies and ideas, and I hope to be able to answer all of them. Well, Harley, thanks so much, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye, you too. Once again, the name of the book is um, No Regrets Living, Seven Keys to a Life of Wonder and Contentment by Harley Rotebart. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to all of my uh, guests on the show today. Um, uh, starting with uh, this last hour I spent with Dr. Harley Rothbart, author of No Regrets Living. What a fascinating uh, conversation to be sure. And it was uh, an interesting conversation as well with uh, uh, Dr. Kevin Shuey, um, the author of uh, an interesting novel, uh, part of a series. This one uh, that we talked about was called The Bad Love Tigers. It, uh, the um, books began with the Bad Love uh, Strikes and uh, introduced the Bad Love Gang. And they're up to their, their old antics in uh, this newer book, Bad Love Tigers. But it is a series that looks at time travel and history and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and also I want to say thanks to Jen Shu from uh, Sovita Credit Union and Yvonne Lewis from Genesee Health Plan talking about the uh, upcoming event that they have going on. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program tomorrow morning at 9. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. 
Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.